What's up, everyone? Welcome to Coach and K-Dot. My name is Iman. This is my partner, Kyler. Hey, guys. Looking forward to this show, man. We, I love sports. I absolutely love sports. My life, I don't know if it'd be really complete without sports. I've grown up around my whole entire life, and now we're looking really just to have a chance to be able to talk uh, with a good friend of mine here about sports. And uh, hopefully we hit some topics that you guys really enjoy um, and following sports my entire life, uh, basically from probably three years old up until now. Um, I've seen some heartbreakers. I know many of you have had, and then I've seen some glorious moments I'll never forget. So maybe recapture some of those moments for you and talk about some some hot topics that are going on right now in the sports world. Absolutely. And we're going to cover some things from college football to college basketball to NFL, maybe some NBA here and there. I'm sure we're going to talk some hockey as well. Uh, we're going to cover all sports. I think Kyler and I both, um, we both know a lot about a lot of different sports. And if we don't know a lot about it, we'll research it. We're that kind of people. So uh, this is going to be an all-inclusive podcast. Uh, we're going to have some regional segments, of course, because we live in ACC country. So that's definitely going to happen. But we're just looking in general to just have fun, um, just basically record our conversations that we have on a regular basis about sports. And hopefully, you know, some of you guys will will jump in and, and give us some content as well. Um, so without further ado, um, Kyler, one topic that has been really in the news lately, with especially with California and Florida passing these couple bills, um, is player compensation for their likeness. Uh, what what are your initial thoughts about that? I know you've researched it, so what, what have you been seeing? Yeah, and, and, and it's also not, ironically, California and Florida both have passed it, but there are states also that have been introducing the bills in Colorado, uh, Illinois, Kentucky, Minnesota, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, and South Carolina, even recently Washington. Maryland is, has a bill on the floor currently, and North Carolina as well, Representative Mark Walker um, here locally. Uh, has a bill coming forth um, also regarding this issue. So it's not going anywhere. Right. Uh, this is here to stay. And the NCAA is, is seriously concerned about this issue. Um, I think they know for once they're the ones that are now behind the eight ball. You right. know, many times athletes find themselves behind the eight ball with the NCAA. And so many times I've seen, you know, even Jay Bill has called them out on Twitter consistently. He's like the guy trying to say, hey, look, this is wrong. Calling the NCAA out and very rarely ever react to that. Right. But now all of a sudden they're the ones that are having to react. And I enjoy that because I do not like the NCAA, um, but I think they're in trouble here. Um, I think that obviously a player should benefit from the fact that a young man or a young lady goes out to a department store and sees a jersey with a with a number on it, you know, that says, you know, maybe for instance, back when you know, ten, eight years ago, probably now, it said North Carolina, number fifty. Everybody knew that was Tyler Hansbrough. Right. It had nothing to do with North Carolina on the front of that jersey. Everything to do with who they were wearing that jersey for, the 17 for NC State, Phillip Rivers. I mean, obviously I have one in my house right now. That's Phillip Rivers' jersey. I know that. It's not going to change that. And the fact that the university profits off of that and the player gets absolutely nothing is beyond me. And then the universities want to talk, you know, we don't have the money for this. You know, we don't have the money for that. And they're building these massive football (laughs) facilities. With I just saw Illinois has a miniature golf course on the top of their football facility. Like they don't have money to, to you know compensate players, right. but they have enough money to you know have a, a miniature golf course. So I think this issue is not going anywhere. Um, I believe a player should benefit from their likeness, and also one reason I want to see this is that a college football video game be brought back, and that that's a, that was a huge shot to me when that went away. That one hurt. Oh, I, I had that triple option running, man. I had a triple <laughs> option going. Um, so one of the things that I've that I've heard people say, you know, well, 
if we give college athletes these money, only the football and basketball programs will be getting this money. Um, the other people, what about the rowing team? What about, you know, these different teams that are in college are doing athletics, but they also, you know, no one wants to, no one's going to go get a rowing paddle. You know what right, I'm saying? Like, right. That's not a real thing. Right. So what do you think about those people? Because I'm of the opinion that just like in general American day-to-day life, you know, you work, you get money, you know, it's unfair of me and and dumb of me even to be like, well, you know, just because I'm not a CEO doesn't mean I shouldn't get paid $200,000 a week. Okay. Well, that's kind of the argument that it seems like to me what people are making when they say, well, only basketball and football players are going to get that money. Well, that's because they're bringing in the most money. Mm -hmm. So should they not get it because other people can't? That doesn't make sense. That's not, that doesn't, what do you think? Right. I would say it's welcome to athletics. Welcome to the world of athletics. Um, Reality is is that certain sports programs carry other sports programs. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a reason why Alabama football makes as much as Alabama football does because of their product, because of what they do on the field, the brand that they build. And because of Alabama football, you've seen Alabama be able to branch out into other sports and help other sports facilities. Right. Um, you know, Alabama baseball, I'm, I've seen them in the College World Series, you know, a couple times and things like that, you know, on the you know, road to Omaha. But the reason I believe you see maybe an increase in their facilities there at Alabama baseball is because of the production of Alabama football. That's how athletic departments work. Uh, so to those athletes say, well, I'm not the baseball player and you know, I'm not the football player. You know, I'm not the basketball player. You know, I'm on this, you know, lower level in our minds and a lot of sports fans' minds right. of a team. I say to them, you know, that's the world. That's the world you live in. Um, I'm sure there'd be a situation where maybe a, uh, I guess you, maybe you could find a way to maybe market that better. I, I don't know. I think what it comes down to, again, though, is that the players that are the ones that should be getting paid, the ones that are losing their, their, their right uh, to get compensated for something, I don't think we should forget about those athletes because there's a group of athletes that are they're saying, what about us? Right. What about the ones that are actually being affected by it right now mm-hmm. where their jerseys being put on, you know, the Dick Sporting Goods shelves right now. Uh, what about those guys? So I think, you know, I understand over there, but over here, these are the ones that are being affected currently. Right. Another thing I did too, I, I put a poll on my Instagram a couple weeks ago and I put up, you know, do you think college athletes should be compensated? And I had, it was about 50, 50 split. Yes and no. And, uh, you know, initially I thought it was going to be a lot of older people saying no and a lot of younger people saying yes. That's usually how it goes. But it wasn't. It's was a 50-50 split, like dead, even, young, old, whatever. And a few of them responded to me. And one thing I heard was, you know, scholarships are enough. And I've heard that for so many years. And I get so irritated when I hear that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not no. enough no. at all. Like, okay, yes, you get your school paid for. You get a little bit of a stipend for money throughout the season and throughout the year. But, you know, for every Zion, there's 300 kids who are, they're not going to the NBA. They might get a chance to play overseas. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this may be the only time that they can make money off of who they are in the United States, off of them and their talent. So what about, like, obviously, you know, Zion and stuff, people like him and um, all the great college basketball players and football players of the past who, um, you know, Tim Tebow came out recently and talked against it, all that kind of stuff. But all those guys who had a chance to play at the next level. Okay, for you, maybe it's a little bit different. 
But what about the other people who are doing the same thing, putting their bodies on the line just like everybody else, Mm -hmm. and they get nothing out of it? And people are saying, well, we gave you a scholarship. What do you think about that? Right. I mean, free education is a wonderful thing. And and I I think even athletes that would say, you know, they're grateful for that, that scholarship. There is no doubt. I believe they're grateful for that. But again, they're not able to a lot of times go out and get a job Mm -hmm. because they're running two a days in football. Right. They don't have that opportunity. There's a reason why student athlete means something because it's another extra workload on top of that. And by the way, there's academic scholarships out there that kids get free college because they're grades and that's that's what they've done. and, And that's awesome. And grades are important. Absolutely. But to the kid out there that says, you know, they, they get that, that dream offer, they get that scholarship, they get to college and they find that they can't pay for daily necessities. And that does happen Mm -hmm. where they're having a problem, you know, even sometimes even finding sometimes that next meal and it sounds, Oh, come on, really, really. And those are the same people that have actually no concept and they've done really no research on what a college athlete sometimes goes through. So yes, I, I a hundred percent agree that a student that, that absolutely need to be compensated above just a scholarship. Um, understand, folks, these, these athletes are putting themselves on the line and their futures on the line every day. And yes, the scholarship is great, but again, there's academic scholarships as well. Um, and I do believe that they do need more than that um, above and beyond the scholarship to make ends meet mm-hmm. every day. Um, and yes, you have your Zions, and, and, and you know, those are those are one in a hundred probably. I mean, you look at the percentage of guys that make it to the next level and girls that make it to the next level. That there's not every player, folks. So you got to understand there's all those out there that need this to get from year one to year four and get that four year college degree and go into wherever next is for them. If we don't make a way for them to have access to some funds, what does it mean they don't make it to year four when they should have? You know what I'm saying? I hate that to be the reason. And that's across the board, you know, it gets in other areas as well. But I think to me, that's the answer for that. Yeah. Oh, man. There's, there's so many parts of this that we can get into, and, and I'm sure we will. Um, if I don't, I'll play devil's advocate for a little bit. But um, so we see that a lot of these athletes, um, the, the, especially the big sports, basketball, baseball, football, mostly men's sports. Um, and actually, women's basketball is getting up there, too, for college. But we see these sports and how they um, want to get their money off their likeness. And uh, for the most part, I think if you ask any college athlete at that division one higher level, they would probably say yes. Mm. Um, for, you know, there's 10 Tebow's out there, I'm sure, but I don't think there are many of them. But what about, um, so these bills, we talk about how they're being passed. Um, but a little thing that I've, I've been reading and hearing about is that in order for these different schools to apply this bill, they would have to secede from the Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, all those Power Five conferences. Do you see the schools actually taking that step, any of them? Well, I think it's going to come down to who makes that first move. And whoever makes that first move, I think you'll see others follow thereafter, depending upon whoever makes that first move. If it's a small college, I don't think so. If it's a USC, right. Okay. If it's a UCLA, okay, that's a big name college making that first step. I've been of the opinion that the NCAA and the, the conferences themselves were going to collapse. And I, I about three or four years ago, I said five years. I, I still believe that. I just think the whole system is flawed. 
Um, it's amazing to me that in a short story here about, you know, the NCAA, and I don't want to get onto recruiting violations, but just how crazy it can be for a student athlete. Uh, my dad was able about 15 years ago to be able to take um, two NC State football players who spoke at our church. Um, he was going to take them out to eat after, after the uh, church service was over. And literally, uh, amazing thing happens that both football players and my dad said, look, you cannot take us out to eat because you're a season ticket holder in NC State football. You cannot take us to even go pay for our meal at Bojangles. So they had to come over to my dad's house and he had provide a meal that way because it was an NCAA violation. Um, that's insane. <laughs> that's absolutely insane. And this is what college athletes deal with on a consistent basis. They, they, they don't get they can't, they can't, they, they're walking on eggshells, man. They, right. they can't do anything. And, and then they say sits up in their high offices and they're looking down and say, you can't do this. You can't do that. Well, what about, can I, can I profit off the fact that you're basically colleges, universities, and even NCAA themselves are making money off of me? Can I get some other? Oh no, no. Your scholarship's enough. Who are they to say that? Right. You know, and that, that part to me is, is very frustrating because they're already walking on eggshells. They're, they're already, you know, this is wrong and this is wrong. This is wrong. There's kids being told constantly, Hey, you can't play at this college because yeah, your mom was sick and you had to come home, but you want to transfer to be close to your family. Now you got to sit out of here. Really? Right. I mean, come on, you know, these, these high up, high up people really controlling. It's so much control. That's what they want. I, I just don't see it's beneficial. I don't see it's helping anything. I've never been a fan of the NCAA. They're very inconsistent constantly. And I'm hoping this is something that to be honest with it puts them in trouble and makes them make a change. Or the uh, NCAA is no longer in existence because of this, and I think they, again the NCAA is sweating about this. They are, yeah, they are. And, and this has been this has been a long time coming. A few years ago, there were the uh, Northwestern football players who they were trying to get money off their likeness, and little things like that have happened here and there. No one's really been able to get traction from it. Uh, but now here we are, and there are being bills passed that are out of the NCAA. They can't control, you know, these uh, representatives and lawmakers, and now. They definitely are sweating, like you said. Um, I think it would be interesting to see, like you said, which school goes first. Yeah. Because, to be honest, is it in the school's best interest to pay to get these players money? Probably not. You know. So then we have that problem there. There's just so many dominoes that have to fall in order to see this all go through. But I, I think you're right. I think the NCAA is, is in big trouble, and I think they know it too. Another thing that I've talked to people about is I think everyone can agree, or not everyone, but most sensible people will agree, okay, what we have now is not the answer. Right. But then a lot of times I run into, but we don't know what the answer is, therefore we should just stick with what we have. And I am not of that camp. I do not agree with that whatsoever. That's just like, hey, I don't know the answer. Let me just sit down and do nothing about it. I mean, that's the definition of apathetic and lazy. Exactly. You know, you got to find, find a way, you know, find a way. To, to make something happen and try something new. Don't be afraid to try something new to, to really give these athletes what I believe they, they do deserve. Right. Um, or what we've done the way their whole entire life. That's, that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible analogy. And it's, it's, it's the way things die. That's the way things die. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So we'll see what the incident NCAA does from here. Um, I want to see what their uh, comeback is. Cause I know they're going to have one. Um, I want to see, uh, how they respond to all these different things happening. And, and if they decide to, like you said, make a change, try to get with the times a little bit. Um, everyone understands for the most part, the NCAA is uh, somewhat of a corrupt business. And whether they think so or not, and I, I assume they're trying to do their best, but 
it's just been bad the last few years. And it's getting worse, man. It's okay. getting worse. One would assume they're trying to do their best, but then decision after decision they make, it's like, how, how do you sit there and make that call? I mean, about these kids and these athletes that you're changing their lives and their world, every decision they make. And uh, I get there's rules. I get there's regulations. I understand that completely. But sometimes it, it seems like a heartless soul. Uh, just sitting up there making these calls on these young people. And that, that's, that's just wrong, in my opinion. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Coach and K-Dot. This is our college football segment. Um, we're going to go over some of the top 10, some ACC. Like I said, we are going to have regional segments. Um, Kyler will tell you about his favorite team, I'm sure, and, and he'll give you some insight into them as well. So, uh, Kyler, what do you got? So we're over the top ten. Um, of course, this is as of week seven, so this was obviously not taken to this Saturday's game because we had a massive upset today with South Carolina in double overtime over Georgia at home. Uh, Georgia was at home there, so a massive win for Will Muschamp and the South Carolina Gamecocks. But anyways, as of this Saturday – uh, of course, number one, we have Alabama, two, Clemson, three, Ohio State. Speaking of Ohio State, I have my uh, Redskins Dwayne Haskins jersey on, <laughs> and I found out today that we are star – no, no, the Redskins are still not starting Dwayne Haskins. Case Keenum, we are playing against the Dolphins this week anyways. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Anyways, uh, number five, LSU, number six, Oklahoma, seven, Florida, eight, Wisconsin, nine, Notre Dame, and ten, Penn State. Uh, Georgia was right there the same three spot with Ohio State. And, of course, with their loss today, uh, that's going to probably drop them considerably. Uh, looking over the top ten, obviously you look at the top four um, going to the college football playoff. You have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. Right behind them is a very motivated Jalen Hurts, uh, now at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Clemson uh, struggles recently uh, with Carolina. Uh, of course, at Carolina, but, man, I, I've never seen Trevor Lawrence – look confused that was the first time i've seen that from him right um i will say today looking at some stats i think he is come back <laughs> to what he was and what i think everybody knows he is but he looked he did look a little bit rough obviously at carolina so you know everybody's always asked you know who can take down alabama uh you know who who can take down the clemson is it always going to be the same two teams constantly getting the five-star recruits and reloading every year right when you win, you're going to get the best players. Yeah. Okay. When you have a winning culture, when, when your, your fan base is motivated, you're going to get the best players. People forget that Clemson, you know, five, six years ago, was middle of the pack ACC. Mm-hmm. And actually, Dabo was on the hot seat. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Dabo put together a culture, got some players together, and all of a sudden, boom, here he is putting together a multi million dollar football facility that is just state of the art getting in the top-tier players year in and year out, brought in, you know, of course, Trevor Lawrence from Carswell, Georgia, I mean, the elite of the elite quarterbacks, and to the class two years ago. Winning makes a difference. Um, And you see, of course, the coaching changes year in, year out, but these guys at the top of the line, very rarely unless they retire, they step away from the game. These top four teams, they usually have the same type coaches um, consistently because of their, their, their production. I think you got to start with Alabama. In my opinion, what sets Alabama apart is the wide receiver. Uh, Corey, they have there with Waddle, 
uh, Henry Ruggs, and then of course Jerry Judy. Um, and that's that. And that's that's not even half of what how much talent's on that football team. Crazy. I watched it today as they were playing Texas in That second touchdown blitz comes right down the middle for safety blitz. I believe it was and two a boom. His receiver on a slant gone. I, I mean their speed is elite. And when you have a guy like Tua getting the football that's so cerebral and understands the game so well, knows the matchups, knows where to hit his receivers, and they do the work for him. In my opinion, you can't find another electric receiver right now in, in college football than Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. That guy is incredible. Uh, whoever gets him at the next level is going to be incredibly lucky. Whoever quarterback gets to throw him the ball at the next level, I think it's going to be very lucky. He has that next level speed. The route running ability he has is also next level. So to me, that's what sets Alabama apart. Now, this year's Alabama's team, though, defensively, is not what it is in years past. So some injuries at linebacker has really hurt them. But I believe what you're going to see is these these kids that are incredible athletes, incredible incredible uh, knowledge of the game, so young. You get them right now in week seven where you see some mistakes, yes. You know, week 11, week 12, all of a sudden they're getting five more weeks of film. They're getting five more weeks of practice with the ones. They're going to they're gonna get there. Right. That, that's why these guys are at Alabama. Um, so right now I think they're at one. Uh, and, AP, and this is, of course, AP top 25 here. Um, Clemson there at two. Uh, of course, Trevor Lawrence, I think he has arrived again. I think Florida State is experiencing that right now. When I was looking at the box score recently, he had two touchdowns right off the bat. I think it was seven for nine when I last looked. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is an elite quarterback. I know people say, how can you say that? I mean, look what happened last week against Carolina. Yeah, elite quarterbacks can have bad games. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. I read a report, uh, whether or not it's it's true or not, and it's a report that he's having some shoulder discomfort. And we have seen that change quarterbacks considerably. Right. Aaron Rodgers, shoulders comfort. The Andrew Luck, I mean, look what's happened with him now. The Cam Newton. That, that's a real thing, and it does change a quarterback. But I still believe Trevor Lawrence is, is an elite quarterback, and you, you bring in Travis Etienne with that. I mean, it, again, the wealth of talent uh, they had. Of course, what separated Clemson last year was that defensive line. Oh, so good. Uh, we have five players, I believe, drafted from that defensive line. They, they were just cycling them in. In and out, and winning the line of scrimmage is so important. So I believe Clemson's going to stay right there. Ohio State, Justin Fields. Uh, Ohio State's doing what Ohio State does. They win in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. It's not always pretty, but they win. And J.K. Dobbins, phenomenal back. Uh, not only the great in, in between you know, the, the, the tackles and the trenches and all that, but also receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, such a great back as well. And then, of course, now we saw with the loss there with Georgia, devastating loss. Oh, man. I mean, I mean just – they had a penalty regulation, uh, I believe an illegal procedure penalty that took them out of field goal range possibly for the win, uh, trying to run one more play. It just just a, a brutal game for Georgia, and uh, that's going to hurt Kirby Smart, no doubt, on his quest to try to take that number one spot in the SEC. You, you can't lose South Carolina at home. That's when you don't drop, and he did today. Absolutely. LSU, Joe Burrow, what a great story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I call him a cookie monster. Uh, the <laughs> LSU's coach at Orgeron, I mean, just, just uh, that guy's got that grumbled sound when he talks, uh, the cookie monster, man. But he's got a football program going right now. And, of course, LSU, the SEC, we're going to find out what they're made of very quickly. Yeah, so uh, game too. Huge game. Huge game today against Florida. Should be a great one. Definitely be checking that out. Number six, this one is the one that intrigues me. Oh, me too, man. Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. Me too. I – it's that redemption story. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that you would find out that you you read about, you know, ten years later right. in a book. 
the guy that Alabama says, hey, we're good, we're going to take two. And by the way, I'm not saying they made the wrong decision. But he says, look what I've given you. And now you're going to say, hey, why don't you go down to Oklahoma and take Kyler Murray's spot? Big shoes to fill, and he has stepped up and absolutely delivered. You know what's incredible to me is he fits Lincoln Riley's system. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. He's a great runner. He's a good enough thrower, and he's gotten better from what it seems like to me. You know, granted, Lincoln Riley schemes those dudes like crazy open, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's making good reads. He's doing everything he's supposed to. And I've heard a couple people ask, like, what happened at Alabama? Why wasn't he doing that there? And Tua comes in and, you know, the offense changes completely. And you question Jalen Hurts' talent. Like, all right, why is it – why was it so mediocre under you? Not that he wasn't a winner because he won a lot. Mm -hmm. But why was the offense so mediocre? And then Tua explodes. Now Jalen Hurts gets to use all of his talents in Lincoln Riley's open system. And we're seeing that he is just as good in that system, you know. And it really goes to show on just a broader point, where you go matters. Who you play for matters. You know, um, Jalen Hurts has an opportunity to be a Heisman winner. Two years ago, last year, no one, that's not even a thing. You know, he's coming off the bench. And a year later, he's got an opportunity to be a Heisman winner. Like, that's incredible to me. Um, it just shows where you go matters, who you play for matters, what system you're in, all of that matters. Um not everything is built for you. And as much as we try to tell players, you know, just try hard and do your best and, you know, it'll come. That's not always how it goes. Right. You know, your skill does matter. And I think it's really cool to see Jalen Hurts just explode. Um, and I hope they make it in the top four, man, because I would want to see him go against Alabama because I think he'd give them a run for their money. Absolutely. If there's anybody that's the opposite of the Jerry Judy, that's as about as electric as CeeDee Lamb. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> what a fun receiver watch as well. So when you got a guy like that that hurts to be able to get the ball to in space and go make plays, wow, I, what a what a wonderful option he has right there in C. Lamb, a guy that can go get it day in and day out. Number seven, you have Florida. Speaking of quarterbacks, you know, in situations, I, you mentioned one that, that Jalen Hurts transitioned to Oklahoma. Uh, locally, I think of right away, Jacoby Brissett. Was that Florida, lost a job, comes to NC State, excels, and now starts with the Indianapolis Colts. And, and by the way, had a good season so far. Yeah, Respectable season so far. They just beat the Chiefs. So, I mean, it's, it's huge, as you mentioned. you got to get in the right system. You know who you're playing for. And I think, again, as you mentioned, it shows Lincoln Riley how great of a coach that guy is. No wonder Dallas Cowboys are beating down his door, as we've heard. He's a genius, report. He's a man. genius, absolutely. Number seven, we have Florida, and again, we'll see a lot of them tonight against LSU. That Florida defense, that's what keeps them in games right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they just control the defensive line, and of course, their secondary is always – Florida's always had a good defense. Yeah. I can't think of a year that didn't have a good defense, yeah. so that's just more the same there. It's good to see them back in the top ten. Yes. They've had a few rough years. Yes. It's good to see them doing well again. Yep. Eight, Wisconsin. Ugh. Well, if you want to watch a really Ugh. underwhelming football game, you watch Wisconsin play. But Wisconsin wins. They just ground a pound for four quarters. And Jonathan Taylor is a monster. That's what I was going to say. When you got a guy like that, you better get into football. He is a monster. Yeah. Wisconsin, we'll get into this more, I'm sure, during basketball season two. But I'm just so sick of their sports sports programs (laughs) because they're all the same. They're slow. They're boring. But they somehow, at the end, they're always there. And you're like, how did this happen? 
Uh, Wisconsin football, they've been consistently good for as long as I can remember. Yep. Good 10 years or so. Um, they're exactly like you said, they're going to do the same thing. You're never going to hear of a receiver out of Wisconsin. They always have just a really good running back. Jonathan Taylor is the real deal, I think. Um, but there they are at eight, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they sneak into the, the top four at the end there. Uh, if they go undefeated, um, I hope they don't. But if they do, I would not be surprised. And from what I've seen, honestly, this year, um, they look like the real deal. Right. You know, they, they've had uh, a couple games where they had to prove themselves and they come out and they do real well. So I'm interested to see what happens with them. Although I will be honest, I do not want to watch them. You're talking about Wisconsin basketball, not to go on that topic. But Wisconsin basketball, here's your definition of that. If you know how to take a charge, you got a scholarship. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is, man. And I'm not bashy. I'm just being honest. You take a charge, man. There's your scholarship with Wisconsin basketball. And their best player, seven-footer. Yeah. Slow. But can Baby you use hook, both hands, hook, man? Yeah. Up and under. Like, yeah. Just get out of here. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's terrible. By the way, Camp Randall has got to be a great place to watch a football game to get that jump around going. Yeah. Not taking away from the football program. It's It's a culture. Yeah, and, and that's what they've established. I just don't know how it translates uh, when they get in that if they get in the top four. How does it translate against a Clemson front? Oh, how does it translate against an Alabama front? It's different when you're facing those type of guys up front. Of course, nine you have Notre Dame, and then ten Penn State. Of course, Penn State has a big game today against Iowa. Uh, that again, I think they'll let us know a lot. Let us know a lot about both those teams tonight. Uh, but Notre Dame, you know, they don't play in a conference. And this has been a call. This may be another day for another topic, but how do you treat that in itself? That, that independent look. I know they're ACC basketball, but I know they have to play a certain amount of ACC teams in football each year, but they're not in the ACC. Right. So let's go ahead and erase that argument completely. They're not in the ACC. They're not in the standings in the ACC. They don't have to play the ACC schedule. They schedule who they want. Yeah. I've watched almost every one of their games this year. And to be honest with you, I've not really been wowed yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Um, of course, in book, he has, I believe, taken games and learned from game in and game. I think he's gotten better. Right. I don't see them this year getting that top four right now okay. in the state of Notre Dame football right mm-hmm. now. That that's just me. And of course, you're talking to someone, you know, that I'm not a Notre Dame guy. I haven't been for a while. Um, neither was Mantate's girlfriend. <laughs> you know, she, she wasn't much in Notre Dame football either. I don't know if she much in anything. Uh, but that's going to follow that program forever. It yeah, is. It I, is. You, you can't have something like that and not bring it up. I just heard someone reference it the other day, and I was like, oh, man, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That was insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like when those you know junior high kids in school right, they had that girlfriend that <laughs> doesn't really exist at all, yeah. but we all think it does, yeah. I just don't see Clint, I don't see Notre Dame getting getting the top four. And again, they they are, by the way, the one team in the top ten AP top twenty five currently with one loss. Yeah. Just saying. And that I'm not saying just for that reason, but that's why I'm not seeing I'm not just been wowed by this team yet. Yeah. And who so who do you think eleven through fifteen? Obviously Texas just lost today to Oklahoma. Correct. So they're probably gonna go down a few spots. But uh let's go eleven to sixteen. Do you see any of those uh sneaking into the top ten this week or how, who of that 11 through 16, do you think could possibly make it into the top four? Um, obviously, a lot of things would have to go their way, but what, who has the potential to do that, you think? You know, I I think if you're if I'm just looking at that group, um, I would honestly have to say Oregon. Yeah, Pac-12. Man. Yeah, Justin Herbert. I think that's why. Mm-hmm. 
I think he's the kind of guy that can take a team that I don't see Boise State getting in. I don't see Utah getting in. Michigan, I don't see that happening so either. Auburn with that one loss, and then they're already in the SEC. I don't see them. They have to basically run the table the rest of the way. And Bo Nix, and by the way, I'm not saying Auburn's not a good football team. I think in year two and year three of possibly Bo Nix, I think it may see something a lot, a lot better. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think it's just too early. The team I'm actually intrigued about is actually the next undefeated team sitting right now number 19. That's Wake Forest. I know it sounds great to come on Wake football, really. Dave Clawson has put together a phenomenal program. Jamie Newman is a great quarterback. Look at look at his numbers, folks. I mean, do the numbers speak for themselves? Over 1,500 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. Only been sacked six times. And then you bring on the the you know the combination of him running the football on that RPO. He's so good at what he does. And Sage Sherratt and I believe Scotty Washington, both those guys, both on the outside, great receivers. They go up and get it. Sage Sherratt just goes up because he gets football. Both of them going to have six receiving touchdowns this year. Goodness. I'm telling you, if there is a team in the same division as Clemson, not the same conference, but they're actually in their division, and they're going to have to play, Wake Forest is who Dabo Sweeney's sweating about. That football team is good defensively. They're good. And Dave Clawson is an exceptional football coach. And Wake Forest is lucky to have that man there. And they need to do whatever they can do to keep <laughs> that man there. Because he's taking talent that I don't believe is exceptional, but he's putting them in the right spots, very a la Lincoln Riley, uh-huh. finding ways to get to the football, finding ways to make that offense work. And Jamie Newman's legit. Kay Carney, you know, he can continue. He can stay healthy at least. That that team is good, and that would be actually my sleeper coming out of nineteen right now. I know that's a long way there, but understand they are undefeated still. They're five and zero, mm-hmm. so they have that that blemish that you don't want to have. Right. They don't have that blemish, so there's nothing to say this is the reason why they can't make it to the top four. By the way, someone's gonna come out of the ACC. Yeah, so it's, it's gonna be either it's gonna be someone either out of the the coastal or where you know where Clemson's at over here in the Atlantic. So I don't think it's gonna be. I'm taking that back. I don't think it's gonna be out of the coastal. It's gonna be out of the Atlantic. And it's going to be Wake or Clemson. That's my prediction out of that. What about what's your sleeper out of the remainders, I guess you could say? Um, I think for me, it's got to be Oregon. Um, the Pac 12, and this has been my struggle. I'm from Washington. I love the Pac 12, but we are garbage at football. Um, but I think Oregon, because they're in the Pac 12 and they don't have that gruesome schedule, if Oregon runs the table, they're going to look good. You know what I'm saying? Their only loss came to Auburn in a in a good game. Justin Herbert, first game, you know, he's a little shaky. But um, I think he's good enough to lead them through the Pac-12 that is not awesome um, and to lead them through the Pac-12, win a Pac-12 championship. If they run the table, I don't see a way in which they really don't get in the top four. And it's not because the Pac-12 is awesome, but I think because they're a power five. And I think, obviously – um, in the SEC, somebody's going to lose. If Alabama loses, it's not going to matter. They're still going to be in there. But Alabama and Clemson are pretty much locks. Those other two are up for grabs. And if Ohio State stumbles a little bit, I think Oregon's right there. I don't think Oregon will necessarily – I think they'll be – if they run the table, they'll be five and six until that last weekend. Mm-hmm. I think they might slip in at four. That would be my guess. Well, also, if Oklahoma drops one, I don't see their team coming out of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. So if Oklahoma drops one, I think that door swings wide open. For Justin Herbert and Oregon. By the way, that guy came back for this reason. Yeah, exactly. Uh, going into the last year's draft, you remember, I mean, it was constantly you're hearing Justin Herbert, Justin mm-hmm. Herbert, Justin Herbert. And all of a sudden, he says, I'm going back to college. 
and I'll, you know, then you had the other, the Daniel Jones, the Dwayne Haskins right. now come in the conversation. But Herbert was that guy. He's talented. He's coming back for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that reason is to play in the top four and have a shot at winning a college football title. All right, welcome back to Coach and K Dot. This is our last segment. Uh, Kyler, we're going to run through the ACC. This is where we're located. This is who we are. You've grown up in this country. I'm excited to be integrated and part of it. What you got? So the ACC this year is an intriguing conference. Um, we saw last last night, even uh, of course, Virginia locked a little losing uh, to Miami. And Miami was at one point this year thought to me, man, what's going on with that group? Mm-hmm. And honestly, they pulled together a great game and beat Virginia, who was by the way the favorite to win the Coastal and challenge Clemson in the ACC championship. But that's the ACC this year. It's Clemson, and I believe now I'm going to put Wake in that elite tier. Uh, as of right now, I'm really sold on that team, and I understand they're 19. I get all that. But talking in the previous segment. They're legit, in my opinion. But I think you go down below all that, and it's just a lot of teams that are neither a coaching change nor a rebuild year. Mm-hmm. Um, first, you go to FSU and Willie Taggart. That guy has got to put together a bowl win season this year, and he's got to have a couple games that he can call him, you know, that that staple win, that, right. that marquee win. And his biggest problem has been two things. Number one, an offensive line that cannot block. It's just sad. James Blackman, Boy, bless his heart, for his life, boys man. running for his life, getting killed week in, week out. That offensive line has got to learn to block. I know he wasn't necessarily left with a whole lot. I've heard him the, the cover was bare. The cover was bare. You can only say that for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting a year two and year three. Those should be some of your guys are starting to get in the weight room, get in the strength and development program, and all of a sudden be able to be those guys on that offensive line. And your Florida State. And your Florida State, yeah. But here's the thing that makes it even – what says something, by the way, about what I'm getting to mention next, which is Cam, Cam Akers. A guy's a great talent. Uh, he is. And the fact that he's been able to find running lanes behind this very below-average offensive line says all that needs to be said about Cam Akers and, I believe, his future in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's elite. He's a great pass-catching back. He's great in space. He's, he's physical. He's going to be really good. That's what makes Florida State go. It goes as Cam Akers goes, so does Florida State. Uh, right now in the stands, right below that in the Atlantic, is of course my uh, NC State Wolfpack. You say, man, how can you be an NC State fan your whole entire life and still be, you know, sane somewhat in sports? Well, to be honest with you, it's uh, it's just blind loyalty uh, is the answer. <laughs> no, there's been some good years, and I love Coach Dorn. I think he's the right guy for the job, despite what multiple Twitter accounts may say uh, week in, week out. Like they're jumping off the ledge each and every week. You know, I don't know how you live that lifestyle. You know, you win one week. Oh, man, we're, we're going we're gonna to challenge Clemson next week. You know, we lose by seven. It's, you know, fire Dorn. Really, you know, and that's sports fans for you. Um, NC State right now, of course, losing Kelvin Harmon, Jacoby Myers, and Ryan Finley. Uh, two offensive linemen, one of the best centers in football last year is not for the Minnesota Vikings, Garrett Bradbury. Uh, losing that group last year was was a massive loss for any offense. Mm-hmm. You lose six, seven guys in the offensive side of the ball, unless you're Clemson or Alabama, it takes time to replace that. On top of that, Ly Drinkwitz, offensive coordinator, leaves to go to App State. By the way, having a lot of success right now, 5-0, I believe, for App State, a great start for their season. And maybe beat Carolina at Carolina but then you see Des Kitchings, one of the best recruiters in North Carolina, uh, right now recruiting Will Shipley um, in order to come to NC State. But anyways, he's he's one of the best recruiters in North Carolina. And then you have George McDonald, 
as wide receiver coach at NC State, so running back coach, wide receiver coach, and they are now co-offensive coordinator first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had one bowl game last year to try to get together. This is their first full year. And I think we've seen, you know, some questionable play calling, but it's in the first year, and that's to be expected. Um, but week in, week out, you should see improvement. Now, State's biggest problem this year has been quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt McKay won the job, a very hard worker. I believe someone that uh, wanted this job, he did not want to lose this job. No quarterback wants to lose their job. You know what I'm saying? You, you We can challenge plays. I, mean, we, I, don't, I have a hard time sometimes challenging effort. They're the one out there putting their, their bodies on the line every day. Yeah. Um, so I am not someone that's going to bash Matt McKay. He did what he could, and it just wasn't good enough. Um, Bailey Hotman has now entered into that spot. Uh, I believe did did a decent job against Syracuse and got the win, 16-10 on Thursday night. But everyone's intrigued about this young man from New Jersey, former four-star quarterback, Elite 11, I believe, Devin Leary. The guy has a natural cannon. Mm-hmm. You just watch him when he's warming up. And I understand, well, that doesn't mean he's necessarily accurate. I'm telling you, folks, when he's warming up, the guy is, is accurate. He's a redshirt freshman. He's the youngest one on the team as in the top the top three right now. And a lot of people are saying, why not give Devin Leary the shot and, and just learn with him? If he's your guy for the future, right. get him in there now. I completely understand that. And by the way, he, he looked good in his one drive against Syracuse. By the way, he had one drive. I do question that. One drive. How are you supposed to get a whole you know, sample size of a young man with his one drive? Made a beautiful throw to Thera Thomas right down the scene. Put it where Thera only could catch it, basically. I believe had another throw on basically a wheel route coming up to Tabari Hines or Lesane, one of the two. And I believe just a little bit um, outstretched his arms. Almost a beautiful complete pass there. Holding penalty, actually, I believe, offset that drive. So I think we're going to see the NC State quarterback situation is very fluid. Uh, a couple of things for NC State and one, Nick McLeod has got to get healthy. Secondary is getting hurt. By the way, Chris Ingram went down on cornerback number two. At the end of that Syracuse game, folks, you had cornerback number three, cornerback number four, cornerback number five all playing. That's Sheesh. not what you want, okay, when you're playing an ACC opponent. You want to bring your best to the table. Some of these guys are learning that youth movement, the Peyton Wilson, the Drake Thomas, the uh, you know those kind of guys at linebacker, especially even Calvin Hart. CJ Hart made a couple really big plays. Finally seeing Josh Harrison, CJ Clark, now he's starting to step on the field. So that youth movement is coming. But, folks, we, we, we as state fans, we got to be sitting there going, you got to get Nick McLeod back. That guy's our best cornerback. It's not even close. And we're going to face some much better receivers than what Syracuse has mm-hmm. coming in the next few weeks, um, including, as I just mentioned, the, the Sage Sherrod, Sky Washington from Wake Forest in about two weeks. So we, we got to make sure we get Nick McLeod healthy. Second thing, Justin Witt is now banged up. That's when you got to have back. He's huge for our blocking assignments. And then Ricky Person, who is the opposite of Bam Knight, um, to run the football. So that's where, where we are right now with NC State football. I think that quarterback situation is very fluid. But NC State fans, calm down. Okay? <laughs> calm down. Look around the football world. Okay? If, if you want Doran gone, name your replacement right now. They'll be better. And if, if someone says, Urban Meyer, you need to stop talking. <laughs> okay? Because he's not going to come to NC State. Okay? You're going to say Bill Cowher. Okay? The man's not going to come back to college to coach football. Right. Okay. I've seen how many times you have a coaching shirt. Bill Cow, Bill Cow. It's not happening, folks. So understand what you have and be thankful for that. He's building a program. We've had two bad to back really good seasons, turning out NFL product. Kids are taking notes. We're getting ready to get probably Porter Rooks as well as a committed NC State from uh, from Charlotte area. Phenomenal, phenomenal receiver. He's gonna be here next year. Calm down. Okay, calm down and support this team. These guys need it, man. And uh 
man, they're battling every day. They're battling every day. Some of these young guys are stepping up, playing huge minutes. It's, it's, it's true freshmen. Right. True freshmen. I would go down to Louisville, and the replacement, you know, from Elijah Drinkwitz, uh, that now is at App State, was Scott Sauerfeld. And, of course, now he's at Louisville. And, uh, by the way, took over a program that, in my opinion, was in shambles. Mm-hmm. That was not a good situation. I mean, Lamar Jackson left, and Louisville football left. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson, by one of the most electric players I've ever seen in person. I, I put him up there with Calvin Johnson. Uh, it was so good, you know, to see both those guys at Carl Finley Stadium from opposing teams. And Lamar Jackson was electric. Um, Calvin Johnson was elect. Those two guys are just incredible to watch in person. So Louisville right now, they're in a rebuilding year. Okay. And they get bowl eligibility. I, I think it would be incredible. Go down to BC. Uh, BC's A.J. Dillon. The guy's built like a linebacker and runs like a running back. I, I mean, phenomenal talent. They're going to feed him the ball. NC State's going to experience that next week in Chestnut Hill, 12 o'clock, Fox Sports Carolinas. Uh, BC, they they have a new quarterback, and they they made they changed due to injury, obviously. Um, and what we have here is Dan Grossell, um, is his name. Um, Dennis, sorry, Dennis Grossell. He was great, twelve for thirty-one. I get not pretty there, but one hundred thirty-two yards, three touchdowns, one interception. That three touchdown number says a lot there. So not necessarily the completion percentage was not great, but the touchdown number was pretty good. Right. And he took care of the ball overall. Of course, replacing Anthony Brown, that, that one does hurt. And as of right now, I don't think he plays next week. So that does ne- that does change things a lot. But A.J. Dillon, uh, he's just tough to bring down. And, and as the game goes on, he wears you down. Right. And then we get down to Syracuse. And, Amon, this is a little bit your territory here, so I'll let you take this one. Uh, Syracuse football. We had such a good season last year. Yes. You know, and uh, we were in the top 20 at the end of the year. Uh, this year coming in, I think we were ranked like 17, high, high expectations, and we have been just super average. Um, we lost Dungy, our quarterback, and I'll be honest, man, he was he he made everything go. That was a warrior. He made everything go, and, and it's not that our quarterback now is necessarily bad, but he's not him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's it, and it's so cliche and corny. But in football, when you have that leader that people can rally behind, it changes a lot of things. It changes everything. And that offense last year was clicking, man. And he he was just such a good leader, such a a, a good uh, person for people to follow. We we lost that. We kind of lost a little bit of our edge. Um, we've been we lost a couple games real bad by like forty plus. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I I think we'll be lucky if we get to a bowl, but. Um, it's one of those things where we're just kind of rebuilding now. I think we understand that. Had high expectations, but we have not met them, and we continue to not meet them. It's more of a rebuilding thing, kind of probably going to test some some younger guys out, see what's going on with that. But it's been rough, man. Yeah, you know and, and by the way, every program, unless you're the Clemson's of the world, the world, you go through these years, and you just got to trust that Dino Babers is going to get the right guys in place and give those guys the opportunity to succeed. Um, and, and that's what it really comes down to. Um, I, I love watching Eric Dungey play. The guy was such a warrior. Yeah. He would put his body on the line every game. It didn't matter the opponent. If it meant gaining one more yard, Eric Dungey was going to find a way to get that yard. And you're right. When you take that kind of a guy away from a team, it's harder place. Mm-hmm. And Tommy DeVito, again, watching that game on Thursday night, he didn't have that Dungey effect. He was going down, sliding. Right. And I understand you're trying to protect yourself. But that's where a dungy maybe picks up sometimes five, ten, sometimes bounces off on 15 yards. 
that diving for that first and that's what dungeon about when you're right you you can't just replace that light like with just a snap of your fingers man no. especially at syracuse syracuse yeah. football right you know what i'm saying like that once you lose that and you're not going to get it back for yeah. a little bit so exactly definitely a rebuild but looking forward to what they do in the future um i, I they're a great coach just you know sometimes things don't go your way right go down to the coastal uh right now uh, you have virginia um, at the top there uh, Duke, UNC, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Miami, and then Georgia Tech falls God at bless the end. Georgia Tech. You know, man, well, you're trying to run a shotgun offense with the leftover from the Paul Johnson triple option era. That team's going to be bad. That's not good. good. That's not bad. good. And I do believe when, when, when the players that staff wants get there, I, I think you're going to see some, some success. But I, I, and that's if, that's if it lasts that long. But anyways, um, we'll start at the top with Virginia, and you cannot talk about Virginia without Bryce Perkins. Um, that guy is everything for this program. And by the way, Virginia's season is not over. Okay, they beat Florida State early on, thirty-one twenty-four. They beat Pittsburgh on thirty fourteen. You can go to the ACC championship with one ACC loss, mm-hmm. so it's not over. They're going to have to basically run the rest of the table. Okay, they got Duke next week. Uh, that's going to be a good game. It's at home. Should be a win. They got Louisville after that. Again, they're in a rebuild year. Not taking anything from Scott Sauerfeld. a great coach, and I think Louisville's going to be back to where they were very soon. Um, but I still think it's a win right now. Intriguing game there, Virginia, North Carolina. Uh, I'll get to Carolina in a second. That's, that's a, that could be a 50-50 kind of a game there. They get Georgia Tech. Okay, well, I'm not going there. We're sitting at 1-5. <laughs> You're concerned about Georgia Tech. you got a lot of problems there. And then you have a Liberty, which is, of course, non-conference. Don't think an issue there. And then Virginia Tech, the rival game there at the end. So Virginia's got to run the rest of the table there. But you, you, Bryce Perkins is going to go as far as Virginia will go as far as Bryce Perkins wants to go. Right. That guy's a great football player. I love watching him play, and I hope he finds some success because I want to continue to watch him play, and I want to see if he gets that shot at Clemson. Then it'd be intriguing. Uh, go down next. You have Duke, and a lot of people, of course, in this area uh, care about Duke football. Uh, and of course, you have Quentin Harris. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, has taken this job away from the now savior of the New York Giants football team. <laughs> uh, supposed to be at least. And that's, uh, of course, Daniel Jones. And by the way, folks, I, I am, I'm happy for Daniel Jones. I am. But I'll tell you, watching him in college, you didn't sit there and go, man, this guy's going to lead the New York Giants to football. You know, it's like, <laughs> I just didn't see it. But I mean, what a great start he's had. I know he struggled against the Patriots, but folks who hasn't struggled against the Patriots. Totally yeah. Or, you know, they hadn't given up. I think it uh, before the game against the Giants, they had not given up a passing touchdown. Yeah, yeah. That's and, a, you know, rookie quarterback's going to step in, and, and, you know, he's going to get his time. He's going to be – I think he's going to be fine. Uh, but that's who's taking that job over. The thing for Duke right now has been, I think, they're – receiving core just across the board so many weapons that they're finding a lot of them very young mm-hmm. you know that's encouraging obviously david cutcliffe uh they gotta get um the defense healthy and when they get to the quarterback they're very successful and i think duke said you know david cutcliffe i respect him as a coach what he's been able to do at duke duke football growing up growing up in this area duke football was something that you made fun of Okay, and you about you were you were about to making fun of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, there were Duke football fans. I'm not gonna name any names that hated their football program so much they would buy NC State season tickets <laughs> and go to NC State games because they just want to see football or a product of that. And they went through some absolute brutal years, and then David Cutcliffe arrives, and he has just turned out. 
good football team after good football team after good football team. Nothing elite, mm-hmm. but just solid. And by the way, for Duke football, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. So I have a ton of respect for David Cluckley. We go down, of course, to Carolina. And, of course, as a state fan, everybody knows, goodness, I hate Carolina. But I'm not someone that's going to sit here and talk about how bad a football team is when they have a guy named Sam Howell that's a legit quarterback. Yeah, I will be straight. I will say this on this show where anybody listening, I will be as honest as I can about these football teams as much as I hate or, or love. <laughs> uh, Carolina right now has a young man in Sam Howell that I believe is going to be a blessing uh, to UNC football. He's a beast. He is. He he doesn't ever look like he's scared. Yeah. As most freshmen do. When he stepped out the first time, it was like he's been there, done that, made that play. Yeah. It helps. It helps when you have the receiving core that he has. Right. And 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 they're making great plays. And by they've heard him a couple times too. But still, uh Deami Brian, Daz Newsome, and you throw in Bo Corrales as a tight end. Uh those three guys right there, I think, are basically what you're the core of Carolina receiving. Uh but then the running backs, uh, you can't start. You stop. Talk, you cannot talk about Carolina running the football without Javante Williams, just a sophomore. But not a very highly recruited guy, mm-hmm. uh, but just runs angry. Anytime you got a bat that runs angry, you gotta love it. And then the opposite effect that's Michael Carter, right. um, and a great compliment to Javante Williams. The biggest concern for me right now with Carolina, at just really looking at it, has to be the fact their secondary is just banged up. I believe they've lost. I want to say almost three cornerbacks to injury. Uh, that is the same issue that State had last night against Syracuse. When you have those kind of guys stepping up and having to play big minutes, they're not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. And they're not. And a lot of these guys are three-star, maybe four-star players as freshmen. They're not ready for those kind of moments. And Carolina needs to get healthy. And that defensive line, uh, basically uh, Crawford is the one that everybody talks about. And then Chaser Rock coming up that middle blitz and also dropping back. By the way, a good story for Chaser Rock, um, of course, Sage Rock's brother, from Wake Forest, but Chad was a former quarterback. Um, basically realized that that was not working out. And Matt Brown comes in, says, hey, I want to move you to linebacker. He makes that move and lead the team right now in tackles with 46 total tackles as a first-year linebacker. Sweet. Um, has three sacks. I mean, having a great season so far. And good story. Uh, I, I hope for his continued success. Obviously, when they, unless they play State, then I don't hope for that success. <laughs> uh, when, when they play State. But, again, a team that I believe is growing, and Matt Brown's putting together a good recruiting class right now. Yeah. He's selling playing time, and the key to me is going to be when playing time cannot be sold anymore, what is being now sold. And what has to be sold is we're winning football games. That's what gets kids to your school is when you win. You've got to win. And Matt Brown has, a good, I believe, a good staff. I think Bateman is a better defensive coordinator than Longo's an offensive coordinator. That's my opinion. I think Bateman's a very good defensive coordinator. Um, but – I think for Carolina to have that continued growth, as in from year in to year out, year in to year out, it starts with one thing. You've got to win the football games when you're playing people in state. Okay, you you got to be, and then this is not, again, I'm being honest, and by the way, I'm going to say the same thing with NC State. If NC State wants to be good recruiting, Duke wants to be good recruiting, you got to win the games against your rivals. Right. You know, so that starts with Carolina, obviously, needs to knock off Duke, and they need to knock off NC State. If they win both those games, all of a sudden they can say to the kids in the triangle, hey, look, look who's number one now. Right. And they can sell that. When you lose that game, you can only sell your rebuilding for so long. Mm-hmm. You can only sell your reloading for so long. And all of a sudden it's now, well, you've had two years. You've had a year. You've had this talent. But there is talent on that football team, folks. Okay? Uh, Sam Howell is a great talent. Yeah. So to say that he's doing Matt Brown's accomplishing things with little talent, that, that's just wrong. Let's not go too far here. He's got great talent. 
and maybe not depth per se, but he's got talent. That yeah. talent's being shown here. And you see Sam Howell's – sorry to interrupt you, but just no, you're good. His, his touchdown interception ratio of 15 to 3. That's incredible. Dude's are just slinging it, man, with accuracy. 63% uh, completion percentage, thrown for 1,500 yards already. Um, he's just been an absolute monster. And uh, I used to be a Florida State fan. For those of you who don't know, I, I got off that narcotic recently. <laughs> and – he was committed to Florida State. I watched him in the Elite 11. I was so hyped. And then he decommits and goes to Carolina, and he's just been an absolute monster. That was a huge pickup for that. Right. One thing also looking at that with Sam Howden and the concerns you have for him is that if you look at just, just the random here, but you look at NC State, the amount of sacks their quarterback has, the quarterbacks have taken, they've taken a combined total of nine sacks. Sam Howell's 18 sacks taken so far. Yeah, he's getting lit. He's getting hit. And, and that offensive line has to protect him in order for him to be able to continue throughout the season. But what a great talent. And I think we're, a lot of people are going to enjoy watching him for the next few years um, for sure. Going down to Pitt, um, you know, Pittsburgh football. Um, <laughs> Not a lot to say that. Yeah, where do you want me to start, guys? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot to say. Uh, James Conner, is he still playing? I mean, really, that's that's what you think of. I think Pittsburgh, I think of James Conner. Obviously, he's not playing still. Um, but you know what Pittsburgh does? It's it's pretty similar every year. They win games, and then no one recognizes that until it's like a week away from the ACC championship. Yeah. And then, of course, ESPN is like, oh, wait, by the way, guys, there's a team in Pittsburgh that <laughs> plays football. Then we have their own stadium. But, man, they play football – and folks, they're getting ready to play Clemson for the for the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Where where did this come from? You know, that's that's what that's what Pittsburgh football is. They just quietly do their job most of the time. Get a few random pros yeah, in there. Yeah, just really here and there. I mean, you know, they get everybody's got a little leftovers, and all of a sudden they're putting together a pretty good season here. Uh, but again, I, I'm not seeing. I don't think I've seen a, a run right now for the coastal. Maybe maybe it's time moves on. Uh, Virginia Tech. Let me ask you, Amon. What is one of your favorite interests in college football? My favorite entrances. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't have one off top. I'll tell you, for me, for me, I tell you, it's hard to get one better than Virginia Tech and Inner Sandman. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. That place is incredible. Joseph Fuente, there at Virginia Tech, he was in trouble early on. But he's found a way um, to basically just find a way to get some wins. That's what he needs to do. He's got to win. Uh, start off the season uh, barely, barely losing to Boston College. <laughs> then went barely beating Old Dominion. Then barely beat Fern. Got absolutely crushed by Duke, 45-10 at their place. And the state was empty. Now they go and play Miami. And they, they get a win, right. put up four two points on the board, and then Miami goes and beats Virginia. Explain that. I mean, he just can't make any sense of that. And by the way, as I'm talking right now, Virginia Tech's up 17 to 14 over Rhode Island. Need I say more about the ACC? You know, it's just incredible. But, anyways, uh, I think he's in a rebuild year. But here's the problem with that I don't know if they would be patient enough for his technical rebuild year, if that's what he's calling it. Especially like Virginia Tech, you know, Frank Beaver was there for like 250 years, mm-hmm. man. Like, you have that consistent winning. You get to the big game, you lose, but at least you're getting to the big game. Right. And now it doesn't seem like that's going to happen for a couple of years. I, I wish the best. 
for their coach, but at the same time, you know, Virginia Tech has a culture of winning. Right. And if they don't have that, you know how college football fans Yeah. Are. And this is Bud Foster's last year as well as a defensive coordinator there and been his coordinator for years and years and years. It's been a great one. And this is the way he's going to go out. It's kind of sad because uh, he had so much success with Frank Beamer, that Beamer ball. Beamer ball, yeah. I love, I love, it, love that. Dude. It was great. It. So that's we're looking at Virginia Tech. We get down after that. Uh, you see Miami. Man, the U. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Manny Diaz taking over that program. Look at with the turnover chain, man. Turnover chain. I liked I liked it because it was original, but then they felt when other people started doing stuff that they had to make theirs more and better. Right. I think if they would have just stuck with what they had, mm-hmm. then that would have kept the authenticity for me. Because I like that. You know me. I like celebrating. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I like enjoying what you do. If you get especially in football where there's so much stoppage. You get to enjoy pretty much every play that you make, whether you're celebrating the first down, the sack, the interception, the touchdown. Football especially gives that opportunity to celebrate. I loved it. But just the authenticity was a little bit lost for me once they started changing it, adding stuff, because other people copied them. You know, uh, Just because other people are copying you doesn't mean you have to change. You know, Keep right. what you got going. Keep what you got, yeah. Um, but I, man, I grew up watching the U. I loved them so much. They just used to smack people around. Oh. And I, and I loved it because they're just running around having the time of their lives, bro. I mean, quick, quick story. When uh, I was, I'd say maybe first, second grade, maybe I walk up, I wake up every morning. As many of you probably listeners, you you wake up and man, it was college game day, and it, it was like the biggest thing to me to see who would leak or so. <laughs> what head would the coach, you yes. know, put on? I, I was watching Herb Street, and of course, Chris Fowler back then, and and that was my that was my day. And if I didn't get to watch game day, I'd be grumpy. I would, man. I just you gotta watch college game day. And finally, the year after Phillip Rivers leaves, man, college game day is coming to Carter Finley to play. We're gonna play Miami. And Miami, of course, led by the Devin Hester, I believe Brock Berlin, mm-hmm. uh Roscoe Parrish, I believe was on the outside, good football team, obviously. And and I remember, man, I went and got to meet Chris Fowler, got to meet Lee Herbstreet, uh, Lee, uh sorry, Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, got their autographs. My day was made. State Fair was in town, got some good food. I mean, it was a great day kicking off against Miami. My dad gave me the ticket to go to. I'm just I'm so excited. Man, that stadium's rocking. All of a sudden, we kick off, and, and this guy that some of you may know is probably the greatest kick return of all time and pearl return of all time. Um, I mean, maybe for him. I mean, Devin Hester. Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, took it to the house. And that stadium went from just pandemonium <laughs> to just like, I mean, just gone, gone. And I understand there's like a second grader, I'm like, that boy was fast. I mean, he was legit good. And, of course, all my fans want to return back to those days. Yeah, man. I mean, so many legendary teams from yes. the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. 2001 Miami is thought to be one of the greatest teams of all time. And, I, you know, as of, what, two, three years ago when they were back in the ACC championship, and everybody was like, Miami is back. I'm thinking Miami is back. I love it. And then they lost. And now since then it's been a decline. Um, they had high expectations this year, came out in the first game and lost. And ever since then, you know, yeah. it's been kind of a struggle to get back. But And you go down and look at Georgia Tech. We kind of mentioned them earlier. And I think the, the way to describe Georgia Tech season so far is in the week of 9-14, which is October 14th, and the week of October 28th. When you lose the Citadel, mm. um, that's when you understand the Georgia Tech fan, you want to rebuild. And there's nothing you can do about it. Bro, that's one of those teams when you play college football 
NCAA football and you're like practicing, you know, yes. and you're just working on yes. it. And you're like, who's the worst team I can pick? Yeah. The Citadel is the team right. you pick. And I believe, I don't think I'm wrong, I think the Citadel actually runs a triple option. Oh, no. Yeah. So that just, that goes, that just, that's not good, folks. And then right after that, you know, they have a bye week. Man, gotta love your bye week. Get healthy, get focused, and you score two points against Temple. <laughs> so your offense doesn't even put any points on the board. This is what's going on right now in Atlanta. And I hate it for George Tech because I love I love Megatron. I love Calvin Johnson. One of the greatest. One of the greatest. But honestly, th- this is a low point for Georgia Tech, and here's why. Paul Johnson ran a triple option for year after year after year. They got tired of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. They make a change. And when you go away from the triple option, the players are geared towards that. Offensive line are used to run block, and now they're on the pass block. So that's that's huge to me, and I think it's just rebuilding. You're nothing more to say about them. They're, they're just going to take some time, and hopefully one day they get back to some kind of relevance. Night, yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Coach. And K dot, uh, this has been super fun for both of us. Um, we broke down the segments so that you can choose what you want to listen to. If you don't want to listen to the whole thing, we understand that it's really long, but we enjoyed it. You know, we love talking sports. That's who we are. That's what we do. Um, and it, it's been just really a, an awesome opportunity for us. Um, shout out to Anchor giving us this free platform. Kyle, you got any last words? Yeah, my last words would be this: the Redskins are playing the Dolphins this week. <laughs> And I'm going to watch this game, guys. I really am going to watch this game. And I'm going to sit on my couch and I'm going to believe that something has changed. And what's going to happen is I'm going to realize nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to realize that my whole life has been a picture of terrible dumpster fire Redskins football. Thank you to Daniel Snyder, the worst owner in the NFL. Shout to you. (laughs) And then I'm going to wonder why we took Dwayne Haskins and refused to play him. And I'm going to wonder why Jordan Reed still is now to actually play some in reserve today and he's still not going to play the entire year. And I'm going to consider something. Why am I a Redskins fan? Hmm. And one day on this podcast, I will be able to give you a solid answer. But at this moment, folks, I'm sitting right now in Dwayne Haskins' jersey, and I do not have an answer for that question. So when you look at the Redskins score this week between the Dolphins and my Washington Redskins – just think about me and think about the pain that has been in my life since the day of my birth into being a Redskins fan. Yeah. And then sit there and look at your NFL team and be thankful in this beautiful month of October for the halfway normal functioning NFL team that you may have. Because whatever you have is a whole lot better than whatever goes on in Redskins Park any day of the week. Any day of the week. I mean, I can't name you a good quarterback we've had since I've been alive, folks. Mark Brunel, Jason Campbell, Patrick Ramsey. Hard to think was good, but we ran him into Haloti Nada and lost his knee forever. I mean, folks, just think about this this week. As you, as you watch your NFL team, be thankful that you're not sitting there watching the birdie and gold mess up another NFL football season. And with that... Skull Vikes!